1: I'm here to ask you one question and one question only. What's your point? What's your point? What's your point? What's your point? So, what's your point? What's your point? What's your point? What's your point, man? What's your point? What's your point? What's your point?
2: This is what's your point? What's
0: your point? What was his point? I have no idea. Dude, I don't get it. I don't get it either. And now, here are your hosts. Dalvin Osorio. Welcome to another
2: And Polly Brzez.
0: Do I have everybody's attention now? On Turn on the Jets Digital.
2: Welcome to What's Your Point? It's your weekly New York Jets debate show. We like to say it's like PTI, but with only Jets topics and edgier. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at jet one So, let me introduce you to your combatants this week first we've got somebody who knows college players the way i know bricklayers hey my last name's mason what'd you expect you can follow him on twitter at c nfl draft he's fresh off a stint at the senior bowl in mobile alabama he's back now in new jersey mr clayton smarslock writer for TurnOnTheJets.com. clayton what's going on man
3: hey it's good what's going on scott
2: and your opponent Back after a long hiatus, because he was a combatant in one of the early shows, he is somebody who is now so synonymous with the Browns that when he had Eric Metcalf on his show, people said, who's that dude that's on with the great Jeff Lloyd, the legend of the Cleveland Browns? He is, of course, the host of Locked On Browns and a former host here of draft season on TOJ Digital, Mr. Jeff Lloyd. What's going on, Jeff?
1: Uh, not too much. Uh, you know, look, uh, you know, if, if you're not still... You know, relevant as far as playing in you know next Sunday's game. This is where your mind and your focus should be. I mean, you know, you, you know, you know, everybody wants to fill out the remaining holes on their roster and you know get yourself to the point where you're playing meaningful January football, and that's where all of this comes into play.
2: It's very, very true, and that is why we are doing a show where we are going to tackle these important subjects with a guest judge who has so much variety on his own show that variety shows are going to be renamed Lindsley Shows. It's true. I've got a source that confirmed it. He's the host of the ML Sports Platter podcast, Mr. Mike Lindsley. Mike, what's going on, man?
4: Hey, bud. Great to be here.
2: Absolutely thrilled to have you, and these are going to be some fun topics, so let's get right into it. But first, let me explain the rules for anybody who's unfamiliar. We're going to do four rounds And it's going to be modified presidential debate format, so you will hear one person talk for 60 seconds, then you'll get a rebuttal for 60 seconds, then a rebuttal of the rebuttal. At the end of each round, the judge, in this case Mike, will render his verdict, and we will move on to the next round. If at the end of four rounds we are tied, Mike will come up with a bonus question that only he will know. Jeff won't know it, Clayton won't know it, I won't know it, and then Jeff and Clayton will debate that for the victory in the overtime period. As far as how this is going to be judged, I always like to say it's the two S's and the two C's. Style and substance, color and command. So it's not just how well you make your argument, but how entertaining you are. That's going to be a big part of it. So as you know, watch out for the trash talking. It always plays a factor here on What's Your Point? So let's get into the very first topic here. A lot of chatter this week during the Senior Bowl that Jonah Williams may slide or even be switched to guard or center because of arm length. Is that fair, or do you think that scouts put too much emphasis on measurables over tape? We'll start with you, Clayton.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think it's unfair to like put uh, to put too much into measurables over tape. I mean, for instance, last year you got uh, actually two Oklahoma Sooners and one that Jeff really gets to know, uh, Baker Mayfield. I mean, you got you saw the height and like I think people are starting to get over it a little bit because he he was. He, measured in just a little bit over six foot and he's probably going to win rookie of the year. And then you also got uh, Orlando Brown who just kind of like looked a little unathletic and I guess you can go by a combine too. I mean, but he actually had a really good, um, a really good rookie year. So I think it's unfair to put like too much into measurables. You have to rely on the tape. That's the first thing scouts should go to. Um, Cause like, that's where they actually, that's, that's where the players show. If they're actually good or not—that's
2: Clayton's point. Jeff, what's your point? Uh, well,
1: there's, you know, there, 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 There's a thought process to it. Um, look, Jonah Williams. Um, if he's going to come in, you know, shorter than six foot four. If he's going to be about six foot three. If you stack it up, and there's measurables that do this. And uh, obviously, got anybody that listens to turn on the jets. You guys know James Coburn. You want your offensive tackle six foot four and tall. That is usually the threshold for a multi Pro Bowl <clears throat> left tackle. Um, preferably, you prefer them to even be six foot five. The arm length—you want arm length of at least a minimum of thirty-three inches long. Um, now, does that come into play with a guy like Jonah Williams? It's going to come into play because look—if this is what you use and this is your criteria, it doesn't matter the name, it doesn't matter the school they went went to. This is something you're going to use. Um, in the same respect, he could just get drafted to play guard because somebody has a really good left tackle. Uh, you know, obviously, Cleveland Browns example here years ago, you know, Joe Thomas was their left tackle. They drafted Joel Botonio, who filled every measurable box and was athletic enough to play left tackle. They were just looking for a left guard. So they drafted a really good offensive lineman. Um, so it, it could affect Jonah Williams. And he is definitely going to be scrutinized for the measurement that he comes in in Mobile. It's just the way it works. It doesn't really matter if he plays left guard or left tackle in the NFL. He's going to be making a lot of money. He's a solid football player. Yes, his tape reflects that. There are some instances where some athletic guys have, you know, given him some issues. Um, so you're going to, it's, it's just the way this works. There are, I mean, the measurables in these things, these numbers exist for a reason. These tables and charts are there for a reason. There's teams who put a lot of stock into it. There's teams who don't put much stock into it. And there's teams that are just come you know, in between, but you know, if he is not, taller than six foot four which he is not going to be he's not going to be six foot four or taller the arm length is going to be key though I mean I I would say he might come right around that 33 maybe even a little bit under but I mean if you're talking like flat 32 or less then yeah it's going to be an issue there's no doubt about it
2: Jeff hasn't been on for a while so I'm going to let slide the fact that he doesn't seem to understand the concept of 60 seconds as we go to Clayton for the rebuttal (laughs)
3: Yeah, I don't know. Jonah Williams is still pretty young, so who knows? Maybe he grows another inch or two. <laughs> but um, like back to the real world. So like when you go back to his tape, I mean, you see him do it in the SEC and he shows power, he shows athleticism, he shows what you want from a left tackle, just not from a measurable standpoint. I just feel like everything that he's shown outside of Cleveland uh Furl putting him on on his butt in the uh, in the championship game. I feel like he's shown enough to warrant him playing an offensive tackle position in the NFL. uh, Me preferably saying he's a left tackle.
2: Mike, you heard from Clayton. You heard from Jeff. What do you think? Who wins this round?
4: I've never been a a big you know Senior Bowl hype guy. Um, While I understand on the one side the the (laughs) argument for well this is what this position has. This is the arm length. This is the way they should move. This is the great. It comes down to the quality of the player. still. You know, we don't talk about now Drew Brees needing to be one more inch taller. He's proved that he can play in the league. He's proved that he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, so I take no stock into it. Um, that's I, I know the measurements. I get it. I, I know that that's what we do. Uh, but I think it's over analysis. I, I think that it's the same thing with the NFL draft. So I'll lean towards uh, Clayton's point
2: in that case, I pronounce you lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
2: Clayton getting the victory in round number one, so he's up one nothing. as we head to round number two. We talked about snap judgments. Let's continue along those lines. Daniel Jones's stock seemed to dip a bit during practice but go up after he played really well in the game. We've seen guys' stock go up and down based on a couple of days of practice and or, of course, the game itself. E.J. Manuel being a prime example. There's somebody who looked at as a second-round pick and then moved up into the middle of the first round after having a good game at the Senior Bowl. So here's the question. Are we too quick to prioritize a few days in Mobile over a four-year career? We'll start with you this time, Jeff.
1: Um, I think it's okay to do it um, because, look, there's some guys that are just going to perform better in this environment. And one of the advantages here is the guys who are coming from the smaller schools. Um, You know, they are facing competition that they maybe saw once or twice a year. And the rest of their teammates in college were not the players that they were. So they have a chance to go down there and, and compete against players of their ilk. Um, the Daniel Jones thing was a little bit different. Uh, you know, John Gruden, the first day there, he handed all his quarterbacks 65 plays. That's quite a large amount of plays for an all-star game. But there's also a reason John Gruden does that. I mean, it's quarterbacks. You, you want to test, see how much you can put in you know, and how fast you can do it. So it, it's, it's difficult for the quarterbacks because they have to do so much. You know, The wide receivers, you know, they're running four to five routes. So it's a lot easier for them, and the way the plays are called, you know, they're basically called that. It's each assignment is spelled out to the letter, so it's it's easier for those, the skill guys to follow along. Um, so it does challenge the quarterbacks a little bit more, but obviously it showed well in the gameplay. You know, pretty much almost every quarterback kind of looked pretty good. So, but you, yeah, it's it's okay to hype it up. Um, this is why there is a three step process to this you know there is uh, you know the senior bowl, there is the combine there is obviously you know the the, the, uh, the private days and then the workout the pro days and the workouts it's all stuff that's very very necessary in putting together and that's where the old checking the boxes comes into the scouting process so i mean if you want to you know take a guy and say well look man he had a really strong week in mobile it's going to create more interest in the player from you know certain organizations and they're going to go watch more tape and you know maybe maybe they find more after, you know, getting a better feel of the guy, or, you know, maybe they, they don't change much on it, but, but it does create a buzz. And, you know, it's, 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 it's okay to take a guy and say, wow, you know, that impressed me. And if you follow Twitter along this week, there was a lot of, I want to go back and watch some more of this guy.
3: That's
2: Jeff's point. Clayton, what's your point?
3: Yeah, that's, that's kind of exactly it. I mean, the, uh, they're going to go back and tape and go back to the tape. Uh, So I don't think they're like too quick to judge. I don't think it's like, I don't think they see a player one play and be like, ah, uh, no, like that, that, that guy's not it. He's not what we want. Uh, I think they just, it kind of they put a note in the notepad, whatever it is, and just be like, all right, I want to go back and watch this tape. I got to see if he does this thing right, if he does this thing wrong, or whatever it may be. Um, and you got three days and it doesn't seem like a lot, but these guys are getting, especially for receivers and cornerbacks, you're getting a lot of one-on-one reps. So uh, yeah, so you are getting a lot of recognition like, from those positions, but like I just said, I think there's more just like they're going, they're gonna put Cliff down in the notepad and be like, all right, we have to watch this guy, not just disregarding them completely. Jeff,
2: your rebuttal.
1: It's a process, and you want to look good through every step of the process. That's the most important thing. And look, I mean, if there's guys who had a really great week that that should be warranted and and it should be rewarded and if they're guys who didn't i mean look this is i mean the getting drafted to the nfl is an audition process and it's a three-stage process you want to look good through all all three processes nobody's ever going to have a great senior bowl week a great combine a good pro day interview well and have good private workouts and have the draft position dropped it's you know it's it's there for that opportunity that's why this process exists
2: You've heard from Jeff and Clayton again. This is round number two. Is Jeff going to even it up with Clayton up one nothing, or is Clayton going to take a commanding 2 nothing lead? Mike, what do you think?
4: You know, guys, it's a really good uh, debate um, because, of, because of the process, because of the steps that Jeff alluded to. And while the first topic I said, well, look, it just doesn't matter measurements and all this stuff, the over-analysis part. I am going to lean towards Jeff a little bit here because I I do agree with the fact that there is a major, major process in the entire thing. And yeah, you know what? Good days, bad days, good performance, bad performance. You're also going up against the top of the top competition in events like this. And so this is step one to step two, step three. You almost think of it as like a three interview process for a job, right? So uh, I'll lean that way.
2: We are tied now at one as Jeff gets himself on the board heading into the third topic. We discussed Daniel Jones, so let's continue with him. Daniel Jones and Drew Locke were two of the quarterbacks that were at the Senior Bowl, and they both drew some pretty strong praise from John Gruden, who was one of the coaches there. The Raiders picked number four. There's been a little bit of buzz that they may be looking to do something at quarterback. We know Gruden loves to draft quarterbacks, but... He does have Derek Carr, so can you see him wanting Jones, Locke, or one of the other quarterbacks enough that it would trigger a potential bidding war and help out the Jets by getting somebody to try and jump the Raiders and pay a hefty price? Clayton, what do you think?
3: No, I don't believe so. And just like you said, they still have Derek Carr, and I believe that is the guy that like the, uh, that John Gruden wants to run his offense. Uh, I just don't see him. I, I don't know with Daniel Jones. I want to start with him. I don't care about the senior bowl MVP. One, I don't even think he deserved it, but like, <laughs> if, you, if you guys wanted to like react quickly to the senior bowl, like the first three days, he didn't practice well. He wasn't interviewing well. He got so angry. He didn't even interview with media the sec after the second day of practice. So how is that? How is something like that going to like help him when he, when he goes to like potentially Las Vegas? If he say they do go, uh, he does go to the Raiders. He's going to be in Las Vegas in like two years. How's he going to handle that media? I don't, I don't think very well. I don't know about you guys. And then Drew Locke, I mean, I don't, I don't care that he practiced the best out of all these quarterbacks at the senior bowl going back at his tape. I didn't see a top, a top 10 quarterback in, in the top 10 in the whole draft. Uh, so I just think if you, if Drew wants to actually build a roster and worry about quarterback another time. I think this is the best bet to do it. Take your top edge rusher, take your Quinn Williams or Ed Oliver, whoever it may be. I wouldn't even bother looking at these quarterbacks. If I was That's Clayton's point, Jeff. What's your point?
1: Okay. Well, the first thing you're going to look at here is, you know, look, John Gruden, we don't really know what his thoughts of Derek Carr truly were. Obviously, you know, he was not in the league at the time. So he took the job. Derek Carr was the quarterback of the Oakland Raiders. And, you know, as Clayton said, the soon to be Las Vegas Raiders. So we don't know, you know, other than what he talked about. And look, I mean, has there ever been a guy on Sunday Night Football that John Gruden didn't love? So obviously he loved everybody in that capacity. The Raiders had three first-round picks. Three. So if the, if the time where John Gruden says, I want to bring in a guy who's my guy, even if it's just to have a round in case something happens to Derek Carr. And look, it started off, you know, slowly last year for Oakland. Then they started to play a little bit better. You know, we saw some instances on the sidelines where it definitely looked like there were disagreements between John and disagreements between, uh, you know, obviously Derek Carr. So I, I wouldn't rule out the fact that he would have an interest in one of these quarterbacks. And uh, it definitely, you know, look, I mean, John Gruden, if there's anything he loves, he loves himself from quarterbacks. He might not be able to help himself in this scenario with three first round picks. Uh, maybe he doesn't have to take one there. He could take one in the second round. But I, I, it wouldn't stun me. And I, I, I'd, I'd be shocked if he didn't take one of the four quarterbacks he coached. As somebody, whether to groom or as somebody to uh, a pen, uh, you know, potentially take Derek Carr's spot.
3: Clayton, your rebuttal. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to disagree that Gruden might be interested in one of the quarterbacks, but to say that he might like, trade up to three or two to get one of them, I just don't see happening. Like you said, they have three first-round picks, and this isn't like a top-notch quarterback five. I think they could take one if they wanted to in the first round. They could take one at 22 or where wherever the next one is. Um, with the Cowboys or Bears picks and even if they do stay at four the the Cardinals aren't taking a quarterback the 49ers aren't taking a quarterback and the Jets obviously aren't taking a quarterback so they should still be the top guy there like so why not just sit and wait and see what happens you've heard from
2: Clayton and Jeff on this one what do you think Mike who's gonna take the lead
4: it's a quarterback league man and so um, you know, well, it's all fine and dandy to say, well, you know, let's just sit and wait. And well, guess what? If there's a quarterback there, John Gruden's probably going to go get him because we've seen the confidence that he has in Derek Carr, which isn't a lot. If he had confidence in Derek Carr, he, he would have never traded Murray Cooper. You know, they, I, I mean, there's just not a lot there from, from, I don't think from Gruden's standpoint, you know what? Even if there is a little bit with Carr, Gruden wants to come in and make his own mark. That's the kind of guy he is. That's why he got hired. That's why he got $100 million over 10 years. So I'm going to lean towards John Gruden looking at the premier position in the NFL and quarterback, no matter what number it's at, whether they stay, whether they trade, whether they do whatever, they'll look at that position first and foremost, because it's the most important position uh, in in the NFL
2: so jeff goes up 2 one with a chance to close things out on this final topic however clayton also has a chance to stay alive and send this to overtime so let's see what happens here with clayton's back against the wall and here's the topic josh allen is a potential target for the jets at number three but he was supposed to play in the senior bowl and decided the week before the game to pull himself out geno smith a former jet did something similar, although he didn't pull himself out, he just decided that he didn't want to play in the game, and it ended up costing him. He slipped in the draft all the way to the second round. Now, I don't expect Allen to slip all the way to the second round, but is it possible that the fact that he skipped this game the way Geno did could hurt his draft stock a little bit? We'll start with you again, Clayton.
3: Yeah, so I I think Josh Allen was, you saw him throughout the season. He was arguably the best player in all of college football. I mean, you're never going to see a defensive player win highs and trophies, so I don't even want to get started with that. But him and Quinn Williams are the top two guys. So why risk, why risk injury to play in a, in a game that might not benefit you all that much? Because from what I'm, from what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, Nick Bosa is the top edge rusher. He's not going to pass him. He's not going to leap him. I mean, he's already kind of solidified himself as a top, I would probably say a consensus top three or four edge rusher in the class. And that can get him a top 10 pick. So why risk injury and maybe lose all that money? You saw what happened to Jalen Smith when he played that bowl game with Notre Dame. He was a lot top five pick and he fell to the second round because of that crazy knee injury. Um, and as far as Gina Smith and Gina Smith, he just did it because I, I don't know why he did it. like he didn't have a platform. He, he wasn't guaranteed a top 10 selection. Josh Allen does have that security. So I don't think there's any reason to risk it. He's going to get those interviews at the combine. I think he'll be just fine.
2: That's Clayton's point, Jeff. What's your point?
1: Josh Allen, he's a New Jersey kid. I've spoken with his high school coach. Josh Allen is a fantastic young man. Um, at the time when he did originally commit to the Senior Bowl, he did. You know, okay, that's been a fantastic opportunity. And then as it went on, it finished his you know college career with a fantastic ball game. Now he found himself in a tough position. He didn't need to go to the Senior Bowl. But he had already committed to it. So it's going to put him in a tough position where if he's going to pull out, it hurt the senior bowl. And it may rub some teams the wrong way. Look, I mean, if you're drafting in the top five, man, you wanted that week to see Josh Allen. Because, I mean, if you're a GM, you're investing your, you know, your livelihood could basically be in what Josh Allen shows to be as a top five selection in the NFL draft. So you wanted that. So is it going to rub some people the wrong way? Yes, and it's unfortunate. Does he have a chance to overcome it? Yes, he most certainly does. But, you know, in in the same respect, though, if Josh Allen wasn't coming from Kentucky, if Josh Allen was coming from Alabama or LSU or Ohio State, some people would say, oh, well, that's the risk you take with some of these guys. Josh Allen just got in a tough spot for a kid who probably became the most improved player in this draft over the course of his senior season where maybe he committed to the senior bowl too early, and just got himself in a tough spot. Look, some people weren't going to be happy with it. It's just the way it is, and it is the business of the decision. And if there are some teams who would rub the wrong way, I mean, that's a cross he's going to have to bear.
3: Clayton, your rebuttal. So, like you said, he initially accepted the invitation, and that was because he he might have thought he needed something to prove going against top competition. But we all know the reason why he backed out, and that was because he was told that he, he doesn't need to do it whether it's by his agent or his coaches or whoever it may be, he knows he doesn't have, he didn't have to show up. And like for these GMs, like they might want those three forties to see him at practice and the game and stuff, but you still have the combine. You still have his pro day and you still, and if you're actually going to take him, you still have his private workouts that you can, cho- that, where you can see him. So I think this makes, this makes no difference to whether or not he'll be a top 10 pick or a top five pick. I think he made the, Absolutely right decision, not risking their injury, the injury.
2: Mike, what do you think? Are we going to overtime or did Jeff win this one in regulation?
4: You know, I'm going to lean towards Clayton because I think you know the opportunity thing is. It, I understand that part of it, you know, in, in terms of having other shots and you know getting looked at. But here, here's why I couldn't care less if these guys participate. Why can't the player do what the player wants? The head coach always does what the head coach wants. They can bail out on jobs. Recruits that are left in the in the dust, right? Uh, general managers can do whatever they want in the NFL. Head coaches can do whatever they want in the NFL. Contracts can get broken. All these different things. And while this is going on, college athletes like Josh Allen are making their university piles of money and, and not getting paid other than their tuition and room and board. You know, but they're but they're you know getting criticized if they don't play in something or if they pull out of a bowl and they're letting their teammates down on. Give me a break. I mean, everybody is allowed to do whatever they want in sports, except for the college athlete who's making all these people money and will make all these people money at the next level. Screw it. If he's not going to play in one, he'll be in other ones. Not a big deal. Why can't guys do what they want to do just like everybody else?
0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and
0: conditions. 18 plus.
2: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So we are tied and heading to overtime now, which means that according to the rules of the game, Mike comes up with a question that only he knows. He throws it out there. Jeff and Clayton do battle, and then that will determine who is the winner this week. So, Mike, what do you got?
4: All right, I want to know from you guys, who is the next Khalil
1: Mack in the NFL draft?
2: Interesting question. Let's start with Jeff.
1: Uh, I will go with Josh Allen, Um, because the thing that people don't remember so much about Khalil Mack is Khalil Mack was a ridiculous linebacker. He was not just a pass rusher in college. Um, Granted, now when you get 12 to 15 sacks a year, um, they don't really ask you to do much else than you get after the quarterback. But um, uh, the other thing with Josh Allen is, uh, you know, he's created some turnovers. Um, he's been, you know, strip sacks, things of that nature. Really, really good off the edge. Like Khalil Mack, he was a full college player. He was not an underclassman. Uh, you know, Josh Allen actually was a five-year guy. Went into college at 210 pounds. Walk into the NFL damn near close to 260 pounds. So you like, and you, you, know, they, you know, a lot of NFL front offices love to see the work ethic and love to see where a kid went from. To where he is josh allen's gonna fit that storyline for a lot of those guys and it was just continued growth as a player year in year out and uh you know i thought this guy who should have left after last year but to come back and do the year that he did and put up that type of numbers in the sec when you are not playing for alabama or you're not playing for lsu josh allen uh, in my opinion I, you know, I i have him close he may end up being the top edge rusher for me in this class Josh Allen is just an impressive, impressive story and an impressive, impressive player.
2: That's Jeff's point. Clayton,
3: what's your point? Okay, so I'm going to go with Nick Bosa.
1: Uh, I mean
3: him and uh, him and Josh Allen. They both might be edge rushers, but I could see Nick Bosa being more of like a three technique and a four in a four three front. I think he, I think he's hands down the best pass rusher, just pure pass rusher we have in this league. And that's what people see. People don't see Cleo Mack dropping back. They don't talk about him going in space or anything. They talk about him getting after the quarterback, getting those fumbles and winning games that way. And I think Nick Bosa is better at getting to the quarterback. People, exactly will win defensive players of the year, defensive rookies of the year in their case next year. And I think because Bosa has that, has better ability to get to the quarterback. People are going to recognize him more and be like, "Okay, he's the next Khalil match, He's the next Von Miller, whoever." Even though those guys play in state, people think, "All right, they get after the quarterback. They're edge rushers. Nick Bosa will get to the quarterback more than Josh Allen, so he's the next Khalil match. Jeff, your rebuttal.
1: I'm not faulting Nick Bosa for anything that happened. Look, you know, you're a little bit injured. You know, obviously, you know, your storyline is written. I mean, everybody knew he was only going to be, you know, on campus in Columbus for two and a half years. Um, maybe he could have come back. I mean, who really knows, but I mean, you know, to ramp it up for, you know, a bowl game where you could really, you know, like we talked about with some of these other guys, you know, end up maybe reoccurring the injury and hurting his draft stock, put him in a tough spot. But I mean, if you're going to talk about is, you know, the lamp lit higher, the lamp's got to be lit higher for Josh Allen right now, because we watched him go through the end of the season, finished very, very strong where Nick Bosa kind of said, look, I, I know where I'm headed. And, you know, he went that route. I, I I'm not blaming Nick Bosa at all, and I'm not going to drop him any because of it. But I do think Josh Allen deserves credit for it in finishing out a season and finishing out a season strong and playing in his ballgame, which is a position that a lot of guys wouldn't have done.
2: There you go, Mike. You heard from Jeff and Clayton. Who wins this week?
1: Well, that was
4: a really great debate, guys. And I feel bad that there is a winner and a loser. But I am going to lean towards the Josh Allen take. And the reason why... Is because of the point uh that you had made, Jeff, in terms of him being that sort of linebacker, sort of you know pass rusher kind of hybrid guy at Kentucky, where Khalil Mack was exactly that at the University of Buffalo, a couple hours away from where I'm talking to you guys right now. Um, You know, the size is is interesting. Both is like six three, two sixty three. Khalil Mack's like six three, two fifty two. Josh Allen's 6'2", 6'3", 250. So they're all pretty close. But the look of the player is closer with Allen and Mack. And I think the upside is greater in terms of Allen having that kind of an impact. I think both are going to be great pros. But in terms of the next Khalil Mack and the model, I'll lean towards Josh Allen.
2: See, this is what happens when jersey guys stick together. Jeff, a jersey guy, picks Josh Allen, a jersey guy, and boom, he gets the victory this week. So, Jeff, (laughs) based on the rules of the game, the winner gets 30 seconds to say whatever he wants. So, go ahead.
1: I mean, look, as much fun as the Senior Bowl is and the Senior Bowl was this week, it's, it's, it's only part of it, guys. 135 underclassmen declared for this. Um, I mean, we're almost getting to the point where we can have a junior bowl. Um, but, you, you know, you just love it. And now, look, we shift. And now there's, you know, 135 other prospects that come into the full focus of this, which makes it fun. I mean, you're know, you going to focus, you know, I mean, depending on your team, depending on how much you like doing this, you focus anywhere from 100 to 250 names and learning players and learning guys. And, you know, it's going to be fun over the next couple of weeks where some guys stumble upon some players that they haven't, you know, mentioned yet or gotten to yet i'll give you a name justin lane a cornerback out of michigan state if you like long lean corner corners who like to break up passes who like to tackle justin lane michigan state
2: there you go jeff closing things out for us here on what's your point but before we go of course we've got to thank mike for hopping on as our special guest judge mike thanks so much for coming on for anybody that's unfamiliar with you or the ml sports platter go ahead and let them know where they can find you and download your podcast
4: well, I appreciate you guys having me, man. Uh yeah, you can get uh, get a hold of me at, at L Sports on Twitter and um you know, my uh, my podcast is available all over the platforms, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um Deezer, TuneIn Radio Public, everywhere podcasts are found on your phones and uh um you know, been landing some really good guests. I've got uh, the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame the Museum, Jeff Idelson tomorrow. Uh, I've got a couple of other people that i'm trying to line up just had cal ripkin on jim Everton on, the former rams quarterback so uh just on, uh, keep on keep on keeping on i guess and i uh, appreciate you uh, coming on this was a lot of fun
2: absolutely mike thanks so much for coming on a pleasure talking to you as always and thank you for listening to what's your point
4: i have exercised the demons this house is clear